Welcome to Everything Imaginable, the podcast for curious minds on KGRA Radio. And here is your host, Gary Cochileo. Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I would like to thank all my listeners for listening. And I'd also like to thank the contributors to my show. Executive producer Candice Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger. Senior editor Amanda Steele, author of Ghosts of Me. Binaural production engineer Damien Keller, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great. And monthly co-host, Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us. And if you are interested in becoming a contributor to this podcast, go to everythingimaginable2020.com and you'll find a whole bunch of information there on how you can contribute to the show. Uh, You can help you cover the cost of the production um, or you can just uh, post it on Facebook or something. And now, without further ado, we have our guest for today. It is Diana Muniz Chen. Thank you for coming on today. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? (laughs) I'm good. And uh, my name is Diana Minz Chen. Oh, I messed up the name. Yeah, that was the name. So, yeah, Diana Minz Chen, and people have trouble with it. But that's how you say it. <laughs> it's okay. Nobody ever gets Cachalilla right either. Yes, I can imagine. Yeah. Unless they're sometimes unless they're Spanish or Italian. Then they they get it. Yeah. <laughs> well thank you. It makes you. sense to them. Thank yeah. you for coming on today. And uh you are the author of Channeling the Heart and the Art. And um I haven't gotten a chance to read the book because it wasn't I couldn't find it on Kindle. Um, however, I was able to look at the table of contents. And it looks like it has a lot more information than I've seen in any other book about channeling. It looks like it's more of a... I mean, it, it's like you go through all the clairs and, and, and everything that there is. It's not like a just sit down, meditate, and it's going to come to you kind of book. Yeah, that's really true, Gary. Um, Thanks for having me, by the way. Yeah, you know, um, I certainly was one of the authors, but my spirit guides were also right in there. Mm -hmm. They actually wrote a whole chapter on how, you know, guides view channeling and what it's like for them. And we really wanted to create a textbook, actually, because there's worksheets in there and there's exercises so that people would have a very full idea of channeling. You know, I, I took, I spent about 10 years or so in uh, taking courses, and I brought some of that information into the book as well. So it covers a lot of territory from the beginner channel all the way through towards the professional channel, how to set up your own practice, how to incorporate channeling into your practice. You know, uh, what is the actual art of channeling? And uh, a lot of really good stuff like that. Yeah, so it spans a, a quite a big range. 
So how did you get started in channeling? Was it something that came to you naturally or was it something that you learned um, through taking classes and practice? Well, uh, in 1983, I was taking, I was a professional dancer. That's why I moved to New York. I live in New York or in the suburbs of New York now. And I took a musical comedy class and one of my students, not my students, but one of my classmates said, come to this uh, musical comedy class, uh, you know, and so I did. And then it led to uh, me going to a seance. A classmate said, come to this seance. And so I did. I tried it out. And it was Clifford Bias. And Clifford Bias is like the granddaddy of a lot of, he was, he's passed uh already but he was like the granddaddy of a lot of channels and mediums in new york he taught people he was very active in the community so i sat with him for two years and i didn't really know at the time how uh, incredible it was to be in his circle his spiritual circle because he was what's called a physical medium and a physical medium brings physical manifestation into the rooms and so, you know, we had experiences with spirits knocking over vases, talking through a trumpet, giving us physical presence, um, all kinds of things. And it was pretty amazing. And during that time, I started to get more and more interested in channeling. And, you know, when I was in that group, I didn't, I really wasn't that developed, Gary. You know, I was mm -hmm. like... Um, you know, kind of, uh, I wasn't really hearing things. I what a lot of my, you know, my fellow participants were giving me messages from spirit. They were very involved in it. And I was just such a newbie. And I realized I wanted to start to uh, get better at it. So I really, I meditated a lot. I sat in front of a crystal ball for a long time, I did all kinds of exercises that I felt I could do and try to do to increase my psychic abilities and to, you know, be kind of more involved in in this group. And at one point, Clifford had to move for his health. And one of his students, Alex Murray, was teaching channeling. And I thought, oh, I'll probably, you know, let's see what happens. I'm going to take this class. So I went to the class and, you know, I had spent two years almost every day doing spiritual practices to try and build up my abilities. And I went to this class and I opened up and I met one of my guides named Holly. And Holly was a delight. She was just an absolute delight. Um, she was funny. She was lighthearted. And I really needed that because I had a, I was very serious at that point. <laughs> And, you know, the people in my class that I was with, they didn't realize that I had spent two solid years really putting in a lot of work to get to that point. And, you know, one of the points I try to make to people that come and study with us is, you know, channeling is not a gift. I don't believe that. I, I, I really don't believe that. I think it's a skill. And yes, maybe we've developed the skill in another incarnation and it makes it easier for us to do it now, but it's a skill nonetheless. And as I, I've been doing it now, let's see, in 1985, 
is when um, I first opened up and met Holly. And then I worked with my guides for about a year. And then they said to me, Diana, you really should be doing this professionally. And I was like, huh? And so I, you know, I went to my teacher and I said, this is what my guides are saying. And he said, well, then that's what you should do. So I followed that. And I've been in private practice now since 1986. And um, in, after two years, I started to teach channeling. And again, my guides are very much a big part of that, involving themselves in, in you know, the education of other people. Because education, Gary, is not just humans. It's also spirit guides and spirits. Because some spirits don't know how to channel. It's a skill for them, too. Like when I'm teaching a channeling workshop, sometimes I'll see these bandstands with a spirit guide sitting there, you know, trying to learn also how we develop as channels and how they can connect to us. So then in the 1990s, I met Archangel Michael. And Michael and I really have done a lot of great stuff together. Um, writing, we wrote also a book about the soul, uh, Know Your Soul, Bring Joy to Your Life. So, And David Schwern, also my co-author, um, has also um, contributed to that book. But Michael has been such a, a, a luminary, really illuminating my path so much for me and teaching me so many things. So... Um, and then, you know, now I'm into mediumship, evidential mediumship, which is another kind of avenue, you know, on connecting mm -hmm. to spirits. Yeah. Oh. And that's connecting to loved ones. So, so, so you connect to people's love, love, like people that have passed away? Yeah, but I'm just learning that uh. now. Again, it's a skill and it's a different skill than what I teach myself, channeling with spirit guides. It's mm -hmm. different. Interesting. Yeah. Wow, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> so when when you started doing this, like like the first breakthrough that you had when you met Holly, your spirit guide, what was that like for you? Was it shocking? Did you question it, or did you like, well, is this my imagination? Uh, like like me, I would question it. I'm like, I don't yes. know. I don't know. If, how, how am I going to tell if this is real or if I'm just making this up in my head? You know, and I hear so many people that come to study with us saying, you know, I feel like I'm making it up. And then we just say to them, okay, go ahead and make it up. Get rid of that rational brain that wants to figure everything out. Mm -hmm. But to get back to your question, when I connected with Holly, um, I was mesmerized. I was incredibly taken with it. I felt her energy. I remember now two years, almost every day, putting in trying to develop psychic ability, all right, when I didn't have a lot. So, uh, so I could feel her. She merged with my energy field enough and so that I could uh, sense her. But also, she had trouble when she merged with me, we had trouble. Uh, somehow, we had trouble kind of keeping my body breathing. 
I don't know what happened actually, um, but it, I think it was the emergence of our energy and uh, just how different it was for me, how excited I was, but also Holly was new at this too. She was just learning how to channel. So it was sort of us two newbies trying to you know, figure it out together. And I could feel her presence and she was such a joy to be with. And it was, uh, uh, it was just an amazing experience for me. Wow. Starting with spirit that way. And I will tell you, I love connecting to the spirit world. You know, it's a mood enhancer for mm -hmm. me, honestly, because I can be in such a, a bad mood, be very cranky and bitchy. And, you know, then I'll kind of get into prayers, connect with my guides. And it's just it just changes things so much for me. Wow. Well, I, I can't picture you in a bad mood. No. <laughs> <laughs> I have a teenage daughter just before we met tonight. Oh, my God. We had words. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take your phone away. <laughs> that, that's really, it's really cool, the experience that you had, because – you, it sounds like your communication when you first initially connected with your uh, guardian spirit, um, you know, there was a lot, um, lot there, of, a lot of reinforcement, I guess would be the word. Like it was like a, a, a full immersion, immersible experience rather than just like a fleeting thought type of situation or a, a, a hint of intuition or. So it sounds like you really just like, it was powerful. Yeah, I just sort of jumped in. And at that point, I didn't know that I could decide the boundaries I wanted to keep with the spirit world, how much I would merge with them, how much I would let them take over. You know, that was not something I knew at that point. You know, as I grew as a channel, I realized that I could decide, oh, I want the being to be sort of over there. And we just connect, you know, clairaudiently mm -hmm. um, or clairvoyantly. So with with Holly, yeah, it was just you're right. It was just jumping right in to the deep waters, and there we were, and it was just amazing. Wow. Um, do, do people? Uh, and I asked this a, a, a lot. Do people have just one guide, or do they have many, or do they switch in and out? Yeah. Well. This is my experience. Uh, people have a group, a spirit team, and I like to call them cheerleaders because they really are very life affirming. They want to help us in any way they can. They're loving and kind. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some of those beings on your spirit team, Gary, have been there maybe before you were born in this incarnation and have been with you all your life already. Um, some of them will come and go to help you with a particular circumstance. Maybe you're having, you know, some challenges with, you know, your love life or whatever, and they'll come and they'll help, and then they'll sort of recede into the background. Some of these uh, spirits on your team, you may not even know. You know, they may be sort of behind the scenes, guys. You know, so, and, you know, if people are interested in teaching, you'll probably have a guide that's interested in doing that. Like uh, Archangel Michael and I like to teach and we have that common purpose that we share. 
Uh, if someone's a writer, you probably will have a guide that helps you with writing and so on and so on. You know, you're a doctor, you'll have physicians in spirit that help you. And, you know, you may not even know that they're there, but they are there. Awesome. You know, I, I had an experience once and I, I, I talked to another, I mentioned this in another episode as well, is um, I, I went through like this really bad time in my life where my I just lost everything. Like my, my, my wife took off on me. Uh, oh. My car was repossessed. I lost my job. I had gotten injured, so I couldn't do anything. Oh, my God. And, and, and I was just totally down and out, and I had to move back with my parents. And, and I was, like, super, super depressed. And then one night, or, or for a couple nights, I in my for some reason, I was like having, like, this, like, what I thought was, like, an audio hallucination, type of hallucination. Where I heard people speaking Spanish, and then one night I heard it, and I closed my eyes, and I could see these three guys wearing sombreros, <laughs> sitting around the table, smoking cigars, playing cards, and, and I could not get rid of them, you know, and, and I thought I was going nuts, you know, and I said, man, this this, this is bad, this is not good. Uh-huh. And I went and I, you know, I, I told my mom about it. My mom was like, well, no, nah, this isn't good. You got to go see a psychiatrist or something. And, and, and I did. The psychiatrist didn't put me on medication or anything. They just gave me like, you know, do this, do that kind of stuff. But after that, my point, my, my life started to get back on track. And I always kind of thought that you know, it was so real that it was more than just something that was in my imagination. Uh-huh. Could that be a connection with the guardian spirits? It it well, you know, look, can I uh, pause a second and ask Archangel Michael? Sure. Just a second. Let me see what he says. I'm going to take my glasses off cuz it's easier for me to connect with him cuz it opens my top chakras more. Just a second, Gary. Well, he's very happy that we're doing this. He wanted you to know that. He cool. thinks you're a good guide in the conversation because you're just very easygoing and soft-spoken and very interested in revealing more and more information for the audience. So he likes that. So he wants you to know that. He's saying, these are not your guides, but you connected to the spirit realm. And in connecting to the spirit realm, what happened is it opened you up to the possibility of something different in your life. It kind of flipped a switch inside of you where there was a possibility, he's saying, a hope and a possibility that something could be different. And that was the spark. So that's what Michael, thank you, Michael. That's what Michael just said. Wow. Does that make sense to you? Oh, things definitely changed after that, yeah. And I definitely, like before that point, you know, people would give you suggestions of things to do, but I wasn't very open. I was like, nah, I'm going to do this myself. I got this. I'm going to figure this out, you know. <laughs> and uh, so, so yeah, I, I did open up after that. Yeah. Yeah, so it was a, a, a way of you finding your way and the spirit world helping you. Wow. And it seems like you must have a sense of humor. Because what you saw was humorous, right? <laughs> it, it, it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was weird. Yeah, it was definitely like something out of the good, bad, and ugly type of yeah, cowboy right. movie or something. 
Right. It was definitely strange, which is kind of fitting, I think, for my personality. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. it was what you needed, you know, for yourself. Awesome. Um, does So can everybody connect with their spirit guides? Yes. Now, sometimes people may be a bit closed down or skeptical, and so it takes them a while longer mm -hmm. to really open up, or they need some healing first. But from people that have come to our uh, school, we have a channeling school called the Open Art School, we see that people can, can channel. They may, you know, question it, like, you know, earlier you said, am I making it up? People say that, you know. Um, however, uh, Michael and I have developed the abilities to, uh, you know, do our best to confirm when people are connected to their guide or their higher self or their soul. And we help them to gain confidence, to get confirmation about what they're doing when they're doing it. And that seems to be very beneficial for people. They gain more and more confidence mm -hmm. and a feeling like I am really doing this. Yeah, I, I can see where that's definitely really, really important because the more confident you are, the more you're going to build on that strength. And, yes. And that's a tough thing to have confidence with. Yes. Because, I mean, like, like, like your friend who is doing the physical mediumship, you know, there's no, there's no question there. But, but also that's like, super rare i mean he was probably like a one in a million yeah it's it, it you know what though well yeah um so i'm sorry there's beings talking to me right now um and that doesn't happen all the time gary i don't you know i have boundaries very clear boundaries with the spirit mm -hmm. world but you know i invited you know um information if we needed it from them but anyway um oh gosh what were we just talking about oh oh i was thinking about how important it is to have that that confirmation and support on what their yes. experience is real um because right. not everybody is like like a, like the guy who was teaching you who is a physical medium which from my understanding is rare i mean i've interviewed a lot of people oh. and i have not found a physical medium yet yeah, there are physical mediums out there. It is a branch of mediumship that is very specialized. It's true. And uh, people study that. They study how to do that. You can study that. Mm -hmm. But yes, it was very special. And uh, it continues to be pretty special. I think nowadays, too, there's less people that do that only because so many more people believe that, that you can contact the spirit world. You know, channeling mediumship are not so crazy anymore. In the 1980s, it was, you know, people were still very judgmental about it. And, you know, I think it was Shirley MacLaine that started to open things up, yeah. you know, yeah. out on a limb. I remember that coming out, that book, and her talking about her experiences with the channel and, you know, how that opened up my private practice considerably. So many more people wanted to have an experience of being with spirit and asking questions and getting answers and, you know, uh, having that spiritual boost. So it was really great. And so channeling came more into the forefront. And at that point, 
I actually did an NBC uh, primetime show that Shirley MacLaine was on, but we did different clips at different times. So, um, you know, I brought actually the students that were studying with us at that time in the open art school. We all went and we did a show <laughs> so, so people could see. And it was called Psychic Attractions. You know, and, you know, I have to hand it to them. They try to balance it a bit. You know, uh, I know that co-anchor woman uh, Sue Simmons was not really believing it, but she was trying to stay open as much as possible, you know. Right. That's incredible. Um, when you, what is the difference, the information that people receive from spirits, is it better than the information that we receive from each other? Wow, what a good question. If the guidance is clear, if the the channel has not interfered with the guidance, typically guidance is better than from a human being because there's a, an overview. They can see things that we can't. They have a different perspective and they can help us to see things differently. Does that make sense? Makes perfect, it makes yeah. perfect sense because I think they have a, a broader perspective than what we can have. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to say one other thing here. You know, over the years, and I talk about this in our channeling book, Channeling the Heart and the Art, is uh, having... Uh, integrity in your channel and working with your own ego, you know, because there's the opening to channel where you all of a sudden open like I did with Holly. But then there's the work, the real work is the ongoing work of setting our egos aside, surrendering to spirit more so that more information that's pure can come through and we don't interfere with it. And that's the real work of a channel, a professional channel is to get out of the way. And I'm learning that more and more at a deeper level now with evidential mediumship. I'm Again, I'm just a beginner at this. Um, but what I'm seeing is, you know, these loved ones come and they tell us specific things to prove they are who they are, things that we would not know. And so in, you know connecting with them and trying to bring that purity of information through, it makes me see how much we really have to step back with spirit guides too. You know, there's this kind of developmental, uh, developing yourself uh, and your skills as a channel. Can it's, people become over-dependent on their spirit guides, like, like a codependent relationship? Yeah, they can for sure. They can for sure. And, you know, um, again, it's something that we teach in the school. You know, there's we call it healthy energy boundaries. And that means, OK, you have a time to channel and then, you know, you let go of it. And you go about your day, you pay your bills, you do your work, you do everything you need to do in life. You stay grounded. Mm -hmm. So we're always grounding before and after we channel very important and i have had some people who've not followed that who've not listened to our suggestions and they've run into trouble because the more and more you get ungrounded 
the more and more you can get very spacey, you lose touch with reality, and it's not a good situation. You know, um, so some spiritual people say, you know, the bigger the, the bigger the branches of the tree, the bigger the roots have to be. So the more expanded we get, the more grounded we have to be. Mm-hmm. Does that mean there's like I'll an... Does that mean that there's like, is is it important to follow a process? Like when I was going through like the chapters on your book, I'm like, I'm probably like one of those people that would just want to skip to the end and get, (laughs) and and do do whatever it is in the last chapter and get the results right away. Yeah. You got to put in the work, Gary. (laughs) It's just, it's one of those things, you know? You can't skip to the end. You have to do exercises to develop your psychic ability because that's the interface between us and the spirit world. You got to do this stuff, you know. You have to develop more so you can see, feel, know from the spirit world. Very important. That's the tools we have to communicate. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so, so what are some of the early practices that a person can use to start developing their psychic abilities. Well, from my experience, I'm just talking about my own experience psychically. What I have done to develop a stronger psychic ability, um, after I went through that phase, I talked about the crystal balls and all that jazz. Um, I started, I I went to the Barbara Brennan School of Healing, and I learned a lot about the energy field. And that has helped me tremendously to start to develop my psychic ability. So what I have done is go into my sixth chakra, and, and I have went through different layers of what I needed to clear. And this may sound maybe um, a little bit more advanced, but it isn't really. Our intention always moves energy. If we want to intend to clear our sixth chakra and to open our psychic abilities, we can do that. But what I want to tell your audience and, and caution your audience about is, you know, you want to do this in increments and you want to do it to see if you're okay at each step of the way with how you're developing psychically. Now I say that because some people want to just blast through and what happens is they start to see beings, you know, they start to have all this stuff going on and they don't know how to handle it. Mm. So it needs to be done in increments. So six chakra, a gold mine, going into past lives where maybe you had psychic ability and not so great things happened and you need to to heal that to clear it it's those kinds of things what is your relationship to your psychic abilities how much ego is involved in it you know what's the boundaries with other people you know like do i just look at everybody's energy field know everybody's stuff you know i don't do that i turn it off you know unless i'm working or I'm in a situation where I need to kind of suss out what's going on. Do you ever like unintentionally though, pick up information from other people? Yes. 
And if it's information that I don't want to hang on to, I just let it go. You know? So I read tarot cards. And when I do that, is that considered psychic? Well, it depends on how you get information. Okay, so if you're looking, well, can you explain? Can you go a little further, Gary? Tell me how you do it. How do you? How do you do? How do you read tarot? Pretty much the standard way, but like I, I'm not a definition person. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't use book definitions. You, usually, uh, I mean, the, the placement of the cards will have be symbolic of of different parts of a person's question. Um, but typically, I will go with whatever symbols in the card jump out at me first. And yes. I, and that's what I'll use for the meaning rather than the whole meaning of a card. That way I can get more specific that way. Yes. So then that to me means that you do it psychically. So your intuition or I don't like the word intuition because it's too much of a catch-all, but your clairs, your psychic abilities are picking up certain symbols that resonate with whatever the situation is or whatever the person you're reading for is, you know, so you're picking that up. And when we do psychic work, we pick it up from the person's energy field or from the universal energy Mm -hmm. field. You know, when we channel, we're connecting to an intelligence, you know, a being Or, um, you know, it could be a divine being, it could be a spirit guide, it could be a totem animal, could be many things. Um, And we're getting information that way. So there's a difference between psychic, um, you know, getting information psychically from just energy Mm -hmm. and getting it from the spirit world. Cool. Um, Ask question just went away. Huh. Um, with this, It'll come back. Yeah, yeah. it will. <laughs> <laughs> um, spirit guides. Uh, like, why do they want to help? Like, what? What is their? <laughs> what do they get out of this deal? Well, that's a really good question. You know, I'm not sure that actually anybody has ever asked me that. Yeah. Well, you know, we all have purposes, right? We all have purposes. And, you know, their purpose is to help people. Now, if you think about it, you know, probably you feel your show helps people. And does that give you a good feeling? Does that make you feel more fulfilled? I mean, for me, you know, channeling, I help people. That makes me feel really good. And I know guides are the same way. Michael loves coming to teach people. He says that every time he comes to a class, mm-hmm. I love being with you. I love helping you. Wow. Yeah. I don't so. know if my podcast helps people. You know, my podcast was sort of a random thing that just happened. I was bored and came up with the idea and it's just taken off. Well, you know, it's not by accident. And I can tell you, I've, I've listened to a couple, we were talking about this earlier, mm-hmm. a couple of your podcasts, and I've learned from them. And I was very grateful that you had these kinds of people on your show for me to learn more about near-death experience, you know, to learn more about extraterrestrials. It, you know, it's great. Oh, you are you. providing a service and helping people. Thanks. Yeah. Well, so are you. Yes, that's true. 
I'm very aware of that. And that's probably what keeps me in the business, you know, kept me in the business for decades because I love what I do. I really do. Writing the book about teaching people how to channel, were you ever worried that that would put you out of business? (laughs) Well, you know, you got some great questions. No, because I feel like people, clients are drawn to the channel they need to go to. You know, people teach from the teachers they've learned from. And so it just has to keep going. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's a flow. We all give to each other, you know, and it's a flow. I, I don't worry about that. And I'm always evolving in my private practice anyway. I'm always like learning something new, you know, now mm-hmm. evidential mediumship. You know, I am just started a three-year school for that. Right. <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm always going into three- and four-year programs, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> to learn this and that. Well, you know, the reason I asked that question is because yeah. I find that, that some of the people that are a little bit sketchy, they're not willing to share their knowledge and the people that are really, really genuine, they, they put it out. They, they share it with other people and, and they welcome people to read it and want to help other people. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Yep. So, so that, that's like one of the things that I look for when I interview people, um, you know, if, if somebody is putting out a book on how to do what they do, th- then I'll, I'm more likely to say, okay, this person is genuine. Oh, uh huh. Because you're not like protecting like trade secrets or anything. No, there's no secrets. I mean, huh, how could I even start with that? Because, you know, the guides, they share everything too. It's just this kind of environment of sharing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do the guides ever give people wrong information or do it on purpose to make the person uh, do something that they want them to do? Well, it's like a nudge, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah this is a good idea. Even though it's something that you really wouldn't do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sometimes guides will test us. And sometimes that's one part of, of, an answer to your question. Another part is that I wrote about this in, in, you know, our channeling book is that there was a time um, from my ego, Garrett, I wanted to channel beings that could give specific facts to my clients. um, But I wanted that to happen because of my own ego. Mm -hmm. I wanted to look like a really great channel. So my guides took me through this whole experience. Okay. Now we're going to bring this being to you. This being is going to give you, information that you can go to the library and check out. And at the time we didn't have the internet. So I had to go to the library and check it out. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm get information about the Spanish painter names, dates, go to the library, no such being. I go back to my guides. I'm really pissed. Why? What's, what's going on? And they said, you're not coming from a pure heart with this. It's your ego. And they said, you know, your channeling is not about giving these kind of facts and dates and all that stuff. You know, it's about really helping people in a different way. So I had to really sit with that and sit with my own ego and 
you know, boy, that's come up more than once, you know, these ego lessons, you know, like mm -hmm. get out of your own way, you know, open your heart more and all that good stuff. What are some of the most interesting things that you've channeled? Oh, God. You know, I'm thinking right now of Michael's new series. Michael the Archangel is previewing something that I am just bowled over by. I have to tell you that. He is doing one-hour uh, groups on Zoom where he's presencing. He's going to talk about a particular spirit, and then he's going to presence it in the person's room, even though we're on Zoom, you know, and it's, it's you know, everybody's connecting that way. He's going to bring the spirit being into the person's room. And these are beings like, um, like Jesus, like um, Buddha, like uh, Melchizedek, um, Mary Magdalene, um, uh, all kinds of beautiful beings. And, you know, I have had the opportunity with setting this up, I'm sort of Michael's administrative assistant because I do all of the, the right. you know, the website stuff and all of the emails and everything. So, you know, he has been bringing these beings to me and it's been an incredible experience to have Jesus in the same room with me or to have Kuan Yin in the same room with me or Mother Mary or whoever shows up and, uh, it's been an incredible experience for me. And over the years, I don't know, you know, I can't really remember. There's just been so many lessons and so much they've led me to over the years and wonderful things that have happened. But this is the most recent one. Hmm. Have, you ever, have you ever chilled with St. Germain? What's that? Have you ever chilled out with St. Germain? <laughs> Actually, St. Germain came to one of our ongoing channeling classes. Michael brought him. And Michael's going to bring St. Germain in this series. Do you know St. Germain? Have you been with him? I don't know. I'm just sort of a little bit obsessed with him. <laughs> How so? Uh, I don't know. I, 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 one of the things I, I think about St. Germain is that he has been involved in human evolution in a lot of ways. And I think he's manifested in human bodies or taken over human bodies for periods of time that were necessary. Uh, I believe that for, for a period of time that he was Sir Francis Bacon. Um, I think for a certain amount of time, or, or I think maybe he may have even been Jesus. I'm not sure. I mean, but, but I, I think sometimes like maybe they're just the same guy. Um, uh -huh. But... I I think that he there's also rumors that he played a part in the um, writing of the um, I think it was the uh, Declaration of Independence or Constitution that that he he influenced them. Um, so I don't know. That's, that, I, just, I just think that's kind of cool, and he's also kind of be, known for being kind of a, a flashy guy too, and <laughs> making like a, a a grand entrance and. <laughs> And I can dig that. <laughs> yeah. And he is a grand energy to meet him. He's he's a big energy. Yeah. Quite beautiful. Was, was he actually involved in any of the things that I just mentioned? I don't know. I really don't know him that well. Hmm. Yeah. Well, you hook up with him so you can find out. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm pretty sure 
He was Sir Francis Bacon. Uh-huh. You have a real sense of that, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Maybe even Alan Watts. I don't know. He's mm. kind of a mystical guy, too. Uh-huh. Yep. I'm always curious. Um, <laughs> has anybody, like, can you chat, like, if somebody asks you a specific question, could you channel maybe through Michael or through your guide to find out an answer to something? Or does it have to be something, like, could it be anything? Or does it have to be relevant to the um, evolution of humanity? No, um, I channel my higher self, mm-hmm. and my higher self answers. We do private trans sessions with people, and that's where we answer questions for people. And, you know, it can be any kind of question, very mundane kind of questions about relationships, specific people, what the karma is, what, um, you know, how to make the relationship better, or finances a career change, house change, all kinds of questions. So, you know, my higher self is really the energy I channel for those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Michael can answer things like he just did with, you know, your your three amigos, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he can answer that. But typically I don't channel Michael, um, you know, for more mundane kind of questions. I channel my higher self. Now, when I say higher self, people use that term in different idiot, in different, um, uh, you know, uh, oh God, I can't think of the word. Anyway, you know, um, like coroner Jaddix uses higher self in a different way than I'm going to use it. Um, but higher self to us is a part of the soul and it contains all information from incarnations your soul has had. And so when I channel my higher self, I just expand my energy field and I go out with my intention to connect to my higher self. And we teach students how to do this. It's not, you know, it's not, I'm not the only one who knows how to do this. And I connect with that part. And then I connect with a part in my higher self that had an incarnation. We had an incarnation in England. And so when my higher self comes through, she comes through with a slight British accent, but she can access other guides and other, you know, Michael and whoever she needs to, to answer your question. So she is sort of the gatherer of information. And we call her Lady Diana lovingly. <laughs> it sounds time consuming. What's that? It sounds time consuming. What does? That process of having to go through all these different guides to get an answer. No, no, I don't have to. My higher self gets it immediately. Oh, wow. And if I get out of the way, she just talks. But sometimes a client will ask a question and there's sort of a conference, you know, it's like, okay, now let's all come together and let's talk this, uh, you know, and she'll say that. She'll say, excuse me a minute, your guides want to, you know, give you some information, but we have to pause a minute. And so she'll pause and then they'll figure it out and then she'll confirm it with the person's higher self and then she'll come back and she'll give the information. That doesn't happen that often because she's usually tapped in to the person and, you know, uh, talking to them, talking to them about their life. Um, 
Have you done any type of channeling with Atlantis? No, but I remember a long time ago when I was doing some work with, you know, with Egypt, Egypt past lives for myself, my soul, and Atlantis. I remember having some past life experiences with it, but I have not really done much more than that. If I ask you a question about Atlantis, could you find out the answer? I will ask Michael for you. Okay. My question is, when if there was an Atlantis and it sank, did its inhabitants not only go to Egypt, but also come to North America? Okay, now again, I'm going to take my glasses off. Give me a minute to connect. Did they go to Egypt, but also North America? Michael says yes on both counts. Some of them were meant to kind of to go down with the ship in a way. They were uh, transforming the energy of what was happening for the Earth and the Earth's process. But some did also travel abroad. There were a lot of souls that actually reincarnated in North America from that experience. And they were very, they were very, they were much more mystical, Michael's saying. It was a mystical civilization, meaning, you know, they were much, they were very spiritual. Okay, that's what Michael just said. I believe it. Interesting. That's pretty cool. <laughs> it's like having a spiritual encyclopedia you know connecting to michael <laughs> is there a difference between um working with michael and spirit guides and uh, like other people who read the akashic records well you know any well no now when you said so Okay, can you say can you say it in different words, Gary? Because I'm not sure what your question is. Because it, it's like if I seem, I feel like it's multiple questions. Could you just ask it in a different way? Sure. What you want to know? Is there a difference between channeling and reading acoustic records? Ah, okay, that's different. All right. So, um, reading the akashic records, psychics can do that. Tap into the the realm of the akashic records. And spirit guides can do that. And certainly channels can do that with their spirit guides. So we all can tap into that energy. Mm. All right. It is available to us. And again, you know, what I said earlier, intention. With our intention, we can go to the Akashic Records and tap into them. Now, the Akashic Records are different from tapping into our higher self. Our higher self is pretty much our soul's records. Okay, the Akashic Records is records of everything, everywhere, all the time. Yeah, wow. at least that's my understanding of it. Can Can you see other people's past lives? Sometimes, not all the time. And again, you know, I I tend to kind of touch in and then go away. Um, I I don't really like to invade people if a person comes as a client yes i will do that with them i will go to where they want to go we'll explore stuff and you know get guidance and all that good stuff but just typically i don't get into that with friends or family or people on the train or whatever 
When, when people are born, like one of the, the theories out there is that we agree. There's some kind of agreement that is made before we are incarnated. Is there? You think that's true? An agreement with. With you know, I don't know who, honestly. Uh, they just say like with spirits or spirit guides or, or soul family. I've heard all kinds of different terminology for it. Yeah, well, I think we do make an agreement with certain spirit guides. You know, if they're going to be in our spirit spirit team or not, we make our soul makes an agreement with, um, you know, uh, what our individual purpose is going to be. And Michael, in our soul book. Michael has uh, outlined, and it was very interesting, how we how the soul actually incarnates into the body. And then I've had the psychic experience with my mother-in-law and with my dad watching how a person methodically leaves how the soul reabsorbs energetically its all of its parts uh, in the death transition. So what Michael has shown us, um, we taught this in the Open Art School too a while ago, and it's again, it's in our soul book on Amazon. Um, it's uh, what Michael shows us is there's the sperm and the egg that come together. The soul, there's a part of the soul that uh, starts the spark of creation and it uses like divine energy. And then it comes through the soul into the midwifery part of the soul. That part of the soul starts to create into the physical matter in the the mother's womb, sperm and egg. And the first energetic component is called the line of purpose, which is uh, our real, our, our soul's very strong uh, drive to incarnate. And Michael has made it very clear that in that process, the soul is brings joy. There's a lot of joy in incarnating. And then the energy field and the physical body forms around that line of purpose. And the line of purpose goes from creator through our soul and through our physical body and down into the earth. And earth energy and divine energy are used together to make our bodies and, you know, our energy fields and all that good stuff. Hmm. Do clones have souls? Clones? Mm-hmm. You mean like human Human beings, those kind of clones. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Wow. So so even though they're artificially manufactured, you could have still have a soul? Well, if they're in a physical form, yes. They're in an incarnation. Hmm. Yeah. So they've agreed to be clones at some point. Yes. And there's a purpose in that. There's a reason why. Yeah. Although I don't know if there's any human clones out there, but <laughs> I know they clone food, so. Um, well, they've cloned sheep too, right? Yeah, yeah. It makes me think that they probably have done it, but haven't told anybody. It's possible. Yeah. Um, Everything imaginable is out there, right? I, I, I believe so. <laughs> <laughs> um, with the mediumship, yeah. um, I mean, mediumship's like something that 
like, like I'm sort of also one of the other things I'm fascinated with is, is the process of dying. Um, I will say yeah. like, um, like when my father was passing away, uh, we had put a baby monitor in the room with him and he was having conversations with other people who had already passed. And it was like they were coming and trying to say, hey, it's okay, let go. Does that really happen? Or or, or is that just the the brain fizzling out? No. Well, you know what I'd like to describe to you if I I can is um, how I experienced the death transition. And what you just talked about is very much a stage of it. Are part of it. Mm-hmm. So when people methodically start to pass, uh, and this is not like if they have an accident or it's sudden, this is like someone has a disease process. Um, from my mother-in-law, my dad, it was, they both had Parkinson's. And so I got the opportunity, they were laying there for days and I got the opportunity of watching their energy field. And so, um, you know, yeah. Um, so one of the one of the things that would happen is there would be um, this gathering of of like you our first chakra. It connects to the first layer of our energy field, and there would be this rushing of of uh, the first level of the field gathering up into the first chakra, and it was really kind of loud, clairaudiently, and very dynamic. And then that energy would come up through the middle and go out to the soul. And then it would be the second chakra. The first chakra, after it gathered everything together, then it would go still and dark. It was no longer had any color or any movement to it. And so as each chakra did exactly the same thing, each chakra would go dark and still. And it was, um, you know, as people got up to here, there was more of a tendency to connect to the spirit world, you know. But also, I I had experiences with my mother-in-law who connected to the spirit world uh, before that. And, you know, sometimes they say, oh, Parkinson's patients, they have delusions, you know. But she would see her husband. I think it's part of the process. People, when they start to pass, they go out of their body and they spend more time out of their body than in their body a lot of times. They're starting, I think, to get used to leaving their bodies. Right. That that, that makes a whole lot of sense. Um, When people pass away, do they still sort of hang around? Like, I'll tell you why I'm asking this question. One of my fears was when when my mom passed away, I was like, oh, shit. Now she can see everything that I do. <laughs> can she? Well. Um, if she does, I'm in trouble. <laughs> well, if she does, she has a different perspective. Because people who passed change, Gary. I see that. You know, people who've passed who maybe were not so great on earth, they change in spirit. But anyway, um, I'm, I, you know, I'm not an expert at mediumship yet. You know, I'm really, I'm really kind of a newbie here. But from what I've seen and what I've seen other mediums do, um, there is, uh, oh, God, I lost the train of thought again. 
Oh my God, I'm getting a little spacey. Um, okay, jog my memory. What were you just talking about? Um, basically, um, does my mom, after she passed away, know that I might be a pervert or something? Okay, so <laughs> she does see some things. I'm not sure how much, though. Mm -hmm. You know, when we do evidential mediumship, sometimes, you know, loved ones will come and say, I see, you know, that you kiss my picture, you know, or I see that you're treating your son really well now, mm -hmm. or I see, you know, they say things like that. So they do view us, but how much, I don't know yet. I think it's probably varied, Gary. That would be my guess. That would be my guess. It's varied with each spirit. Hmm. Now, there are some spirits that want to stay around because they have concerns. You know, what's my wife going to do with our finances? You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so they're sort of hovering around. And there's some spirits that just like to do stuff. You know, they like to open and close closet doors. They like to do physical things, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so, yeah. Hmm. But you could ask your mom, you know, to no, say to her, no, it's just, it's just, Mom, you know, yeah. It's a disturbing <laughs> thought that she's watching everything that I do. <laughs> I don't think she's watching everything. No, she, she, she don't got, you think it'd be boring to watch us brush our teeth? You know, I mean, really? Well, I don't know. I watch myself brush my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a purpose to that. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I I, I got to do something about this situation. I can't have her watching everything. <laughs> well, just tell her. You're still in relationship to her, even though she doesn't have a body. Yeah. And that's yeah. One, one thing that I do believe, too, is, you know, they're still around helping. Like when, yes. when somebody passes away, they're definitely not gone. They're not like just bailing on you. Yes. That's very true from what I've seen. Yes. Do they interact with our guardian angels? They can, selves? yeah. Yeah, sure. So, so my mom could be like giving advice to my spirit guide or whatever? Well, she could make be making suggestions, yes. Oh. <laughs> Is that a disturbing thought? <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I, I would like to think that my life is mine. <laughs> and, and there's no, I don't need all this outside interference. <laughs> well, you know, it's just like one of your best friends giving you advice. You know, you can take it or leave it. We all have choices. Maybe, we can make a choice. Maybe, but well, I think a lot of choices we make subconsciously too. You know, sometimes whether it's based on an intuition or a dream or or, yes. or or whatever. I I mean, I would love to be able to take credit for all my good decisions, <laughs> but I can't. Uh huh. Because a lot, like my 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 very very best decisions. I feel like they came from somewhere else. Uh-huh. And, and probably most of my bad decisions, those were probably mine. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, yeah, I 
understand what you're saying. I feel like, you know, my guides lead me, help me to make good choices. But my personality can thwart, you know, sometimes those suggestions, you know, and say, no, I want to do this. I remember a time I was working with Babaji Mahavatar um, for a while. He was one of my spiritual teachers, and he's a very physical teacher. And what I mean by he would do physical things to prove a point. So I was in New York, uh, you know, going, I have an office in New York City. And, um, you know, there's constantly you know, people on the streets that are asking for money. So, uh, you know, Babaji at one point said, give this guy $20. So I did. And then another time he said, give this other guy $20. So I did. And then a third time he said, give this guy $10. And I said, no, (laughs) I don't want to do that. (laughs) And then when I came out of my office after teaching a class, like around 9 p.m. at night, there in front of my uh, the office uh, door was $50 folded up on the ground and nobody around. And it was like this, you know, he was trying to teach me, don't get so attached to money. It comes and it goes. You find it, you know. And he was doing stuff like that all the time, especially with my jewelry. He would take my jewelry. He took my diamond engagement ring and will give it back to me when I don't have attachment to my jewelry anymore. I don't know when that's going to happen. <laughs> I'm revealing some things that I don't usually talk about. He still has it. <laughs> What's that? He still has your ring. Yeah. yeah. He says, I'll give it back because he's done that before. You know, I, this bracelet, you know, I've had for years and I was visiting my parents in St. Louis. It's for those of you guys who can't see. It's a, it's a little, it's a, a silver uh, bracelet with a heart on it, and I'm very attached to it. So um, we were sledding with my daughter, and it was snowing in, in St. Louis, is where I'm, you know, my parents are from. And I took a glove off, and I must have taken the bracelet off. At least that's what I thought. And so when I got back to the house, I realized it was gone. So whole family, you know, looking all over. It wasn't a big hill. Looking everywhere, nothing. And then when I just surrendered and said, okay, I don't have the the bracelet anymore, I looked down, and between my two feet, was my friggin' bracelet on the ground. <laughs> it was like, oh, Baba G. <laughs> wow, you know? <laughs> oh. That's well. funny. Well, I hope you get your ring back, though. I do, too, you know? It, mm. it will come eventually, like he said, when I'm not as attached. But I like sparkly things, you know. Girls like their sparkly things. Mm-hmm. Oh. Interesting. You know, attachment is a tough one, and, and, and I, you know, I think though attachment is related to what you do with the channeling and psychic ability. I think the more people are able to let go of their ego and preconceived notions the easier it becomes to connect with the spirit. I agree with that. 
Yes. And to just be open to whatever. Mm-hmm. Because the things really don't matter in the end anyway. You're right. It's just things. Yeah. They're just things. And they're transient. I can't convince my wife of that, though. <laughs> she likes stuff, too. Yeah. I can't get her to give up everything and just go live out in the wild with me. You would do that? I would, yeah. Wow. But she, she won't. Uh-huh. I've always been sort of a transient type of person. <laughs> um, well. So what type of advice would you give my listeners out there that are just beginning this journey and want to get in contact with their spirit guides? Yeah. Meditation, Gary. It's really the cornerstone of, of, of a lot of it for channeling and for spiritual growth. So meditating, praying, spending time in the quiet, being inside yourself, and being open to contact with the divine, with guardian angels, with the good guys, with the strong, you know, elevated spirits. And... You know, if they want to channel, they really do need to find a good teacher. Uh, <clears throat> you know, but developing their psychic ability through meditation and uh, like that, really very important for connecting to spirit guides. That's funny. I had I had um, Melanie Barnum on, and she said the same thing about having a teacher, right? And I was like... I don't need a teacher. <laughs> she said that was my ego. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you do and you don't. I mean, you know, if you want to grow as a channel, you know, it's one thing to tap into the spirit world. It's another thing to know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. and to have a sense of what you're doing and to have confidence in what you're doing. And that, I think, is all gained through experience. Yeah. Another thing that she had said to me, too, she goes, well, you're doing this podcast, so everybody you're talking to is a teacher. <laughs> yeah. So, so everybody I talk to, not only my teacher, but I guess my listeners' teachers as well. Yeah. Yes. So before we wrap this up, where uh -huh. can my listeners find you? Yeah, so I have a website, and it's uh, my name, Diana Men's Chen. Are you going to you're going to put it on your on your channel, Gary? Uh, your all, all your information is going to be in the notes of this episode. So yeah. when my listeners are listening, they can just go to the notes and go to your website or go to your books. Okay, yeah. So, so my website it's uh, www.dianamenschen.com. M U E N Z C H E N is how you spell my last name. And on Amazon, you can go and pick up my uh, our channeling book and our soul book. And uh, you can also buy our channeling book on my website. And if you subscribe on my website, you can subscribe on any of the pages on my website. Um, 
what that gets you is my emails to let you know about what we're doing. And, you know, Michael's new series, that exciting new series I've been talking about, you know, um, you'll get notification of that. Sometimes we do free healing evenings or I do a free channeling class. Um, but also we do other things. So it keeps you informed as to what we're offering and when. That's really cool. So, so yeah, I'll definitely post our links um, to your book and to your website. If you want me to post anything to a specific class, I can do that as well for you. Post, say that again. Like post you, have, you have like a specific class that you want me to put a link to. I can do that also. Oh, okay. That'd be great. Yeah, maybe Michael's new series. We can get a link to that if you don't mind. Absolutely. Great. Fantastic. Well, thank you for taking the time this evening to speak with me. Thanks, Gary. It was fun. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> Hang on one second, and I'm just going to play the outro. Welcome to Everything Oops, Imagine. wrong button. Podcast KGRA Radio. And here is your host, Gary Cochileo. All right, everyone, I hit the wrong button. And <laughs> since I don't edit, now I'm going to hit the right button. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable on KGRA Radio. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or email him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the costs of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of his page www.everythingimaginable2020.com Oh yes, I almost forgot. You can buy his book, Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need, and it's on Amazon. It'll change your life, because remember, everything that exists was first imagined. Hey, if you love what you listen to, don't forget, rate, review, and subscribe.